This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by Michael Hyatt and Company's newest book, No Fail Habits. Discover how to master automation to design productive days. Learn more at nofailhabits.com. Hi, I'm Michael Hyatt. And I'm Megan Hyatt-Miller. And this is Lead to Win, our weekly podcast to help you win at work and succeed at life. And this week, we want to talk about habits in the various seasons of life. pumped about talking about this because every single time we do a live event, which that now feels like (laughs) ancient history, we haven't done that for a long time. Um, But anytime that we're together with people from our audience in person, I always get asked what my daily rituals are, particularly my morning ritual um, by parents or people that are just in kind of a different season of life, dad, than your season of life, which is kind of the idealized like empty nesters uh, season. And I think what people are really asking is how does this get adapted to people that don't have as much control over their time? Like if I can't be Michael Hyatt, is that okay? You know, does it still count? Can I still make a difference with habits in my life? And I always like to share my personal stories because I, of course, have five kids, a very busy life. You know, things don't always go according to plan. Sometimes it's a mess. And and yet I have consistent habits that I think are really realistic for anybody to try to adopt. So um, we're going to talk about some of that today, as well as just kind of your history with habits and what that's looked like over time, because you haven't always been an empty nester. Um, so I'm excited to get into this. Well, I, I think we should start with me making a confession. Oh, because good. <laughs> I think a lot of people, you know, the reality of who I am versus maybe people's perception, those are two different things. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I think, you know, the perception is that I'm this highly focused, very disciplined, almost robotic character. And I've had some of my close friends say that to me. That is absolutely not the truth. So I'm here confessing it in front of God and everybody that's listening to this. <laughs> I'm not that person. I struggle with focus. I'm easily distracted. I can have, you know, large periods of time when I'm when I'm not very productive. It happened yesterday. I was supposed to be working on a on a webinar script yesterday, and I found a thousand and one reasons why I wasn't going to do it. So I struggle with all this stuff, which I think is why I write about it. I'm mostly just preaching to myself, hoping that maybe some other people, you know, struggle with this stuff as well. So if you struggle with focus, if you struggle with productivity, now I I do believe I get an enormous amount of work done, but it's not because I don't struggle. It's not because it comes easily to me. I stumble and fall. You know, I fail on my habits. I've said to Gail before, I said, if the the one thing I'm the most consistent about is starting over. (laughs) And, And like every Monday is a new day to start over. So if my workout routine kind of failed me the last few days of the previous week, great. Monday's a, a day to jumpstart that and get started again. So I just, Megan, I just felt the need to say that because yeah. honestly, I was pretty self-unaware of that in the past. Mm. You know, I kind of felt like whatever I was experiencing, I could just kind of put that out and share it with the world and people would, you know, adjust for their season in life. But no, I think that by sharing that without a disclaimer, it kind of puts people in a position where they feel guilty or feel like they're failing all right. the time. And that's like the opposite of what I want. Right. Well, and, you know, really the season of life that you're in, which can change with major events, which we're going to talk about a little bit, and it can also change with just smaller things. 
has to be considered when you're thinking about habits, because otherwise you either become kind of a tyrant in your own life where you expect everybody in your life to make your habits possible that are frankly unrealistic for the season of life that you're in. And and that has, uh, we've heard from, from folks that that has happened from time to time, you know, that they expect their spouse to make it possible to have these extreme habits that are really more appropriate to a season of life in which there are no young children, for example, or things are just different. Or you just totally give up because you think, man, unless I'm at a place where I have total control over my time and I have several hours in the morning or whatever, then this whole habit thing is not really relevant. And we are here to say neither of those are true or necessary. And uh, you can absolutely have habits that are realistic to your season of life that you can be um, reasonably consistent with and get all the benefits from without having to be perfect. Exactly. Okay. Can I start with a story about a season of life? True story. When I was in college, uh, I really wanted to grow spiritually. And so, you know, I got up and I read the Bible and I pray, you know, practice that I've continued to this day. But somebody handed me the biography or the journal of John Wesley. John Wesley was the founder of Methodism. And so I read that journal. I devoured it. But here's what I discovered in that journal. John Wesley got up at 4 a.m. and he prayed for the first four hours of the day. Whoa. Okay, well, you know, it's his profession. I'm a student. (laughs) You know, you'd think I would accommodate that. But then here's what he said. He said, I doubt seriously if you can grow spiritually unless you're praying four hours a day. Well, I guess I'll just give up. Well, honestly, (laughs) it made me feel like I suck. It's just like, there's no way I can attain that. No way I can grow into that. And it made me give up. And so I think we've got to consider our own circumstances We've got to consider the season of life we're in. We've got to consider our vocational differences. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I talk, it's not just a season of life thing, but I talk to people, for example, that, that work shift work. You know, they struggle. Those people sometimes struggle to do the kind of habits that I do because they don't have a normal routine. Well, think about right now, like our first responders, our folks totally. in the medical profession who have been dealing with COVID now for months and months and months and months and months, who are you know, kind of in an emergency every day. That's a very unique challenge to developing habits that a lot of the rest of us don't have. That's right. And all that's got to be considered. Otherwise, what we're going to do, if we're not careful, we're, we're going to either impose upon other people or impose upon ourselves kind of this standard that we can't keep and we just end up quitting. And then we don't make progress. Right. And nobody wants that. So we got to talk about the different seasons of life in particular. Okay, so let's talk about that. What are some of the big life transitions that people experience that should prompt kind of a reconsideration of your habits and your rituals? Well, I think any major life change. So for example, the the rituals that you have in college when you get your first job, you know, I can remember thinking in college, I will I will never be busier than I am right now. <laughs> so true. And honestly, post-college. College looked like a vacation. Right. Right? Because once you start, I mean, marriage was great. When I, when I just had, you know, a job and Gail and I were married for the first time, I mean, that, that was like idyllic. You know, we didn't right. have a lot of demands on our life. We had a bunch of extra money. It felt like it was amazing. You know, and we had time to pursue habits. Like I was a huge reader during those days. I was reading several books a week, you know, so much so that it was annoying uh, to Gail. <laughs> but, but I had all these habits. But then... We had you, you know, right. you were our first daughter. We have five daughters. We had five daughters at one point under the age of 10. So with each one of those, exponentially, the complexity of our life grew. Yep. 
And in fact, so having having kids change everything. So that was a major turning point. And then when we had more kids than we had hands, you know, that was that was a major thing. Totally. Right. So especially when you get five, you know this because you're the mother of five. You know, between the two of you, you've got four hands. So yeah, we're way outnumbered. <laughs> yeah, you're way outnumbered. And so really what when we got three, that was that was a major difference between having two kids and three kids. Mm-hmm. And then when the kids moved into the various stages of school. Right. Right. So having toddlers start school, you know, it was a little bit of a relief. We kind of got our lives back a little bit. But then, you know, then you get into all the stuff where you're having to supervise homework. So anyway, all I'm saying is that all these major life changes and we could catalog them, you know, ad infinitum, but all of them are an opportunity to rethink our rituals and ask, is this habit that I was doing up until this point, is it appropriate for this season of life? Right. So for example, if you, this is not maybe relevant as much right now, but if you have a job where all of a sudden you're traveling for a season, maybe you're starting, you know, a new division for a company at another satellite location or something like that. Well, all of a sudden, if you think about it, if you're traveling, you're living out of a hotel and you're commuting on the weekends, that's going to change the habits that you have. They're not going to work the same way as when you're home seven days a week, right? Totally different. And so that's kind of what we're talking about here. Or for example, when all of a sudden your kids um, start playing sports in the evening, or they go to school an hour earlier, like when our kids went from elementary school to middle school, and all of a sudden, instead of going to school at 830, they went to school at 730. Well, that's going to change the habits in the morning. So Mm -hmm. these are kind of like little things, seemingly, that if you don't take into account, you're just like, no, I'm sticking with my habits, and you don't readjust, then you really uh, can fall out of the workability of those things. This is one of the reasons, by the way, in the full focus planner that we have in the quarterly preview you process for you to reevaluate your rituals. And a ritual is just a collection of habits, you know, so you have a collection of habits in the morning, that's your morning ritual, you have an evening one, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and reevaluating those on a quarterly basis is a great discipline. You may not really need to make major changes on a quarterly basis, but there are times like when we adopted our youngest daughter, Naomi, who's now 18 months old. I mean, my whole morning ritual changed, you know, like what I used to do made no sense anymore, you know, and I think that that's what we want to allow for is recalibrate when those kinds of things happen. Have you ever had a habit that you stopped and then picked back up, maybe stopped intentionally or even unintentionally and then picked it back up? Yeah, well, I think exercise is a good example of that. And it was around Naomi uh, coming into our family. So um, a lot of you guys know the story of us adopting her, but she was born very, very prematurely at 27 weeks. Um, we uh, became her family when she was five weeks old. And uh, so we spent nine weeks in the NICU with her as she'd already been there five weeks by the time we got to her. And then when we came home, she had uh, some special needs around feeding. And so it just meant that our schedule was extremely demanding. So all of a sudden, our focus went from all these areas of self-care and habits to like just trying to get uh, cumulatively enough sleep to function, (laughs) which a lot of you guys can relate to. You know, that's uh, that's a tough thing. And when she was in the hospital for that lengthy period of time, there was no time to exercise. I mean, basically, I would get up first thing in the morning. I would drive to Nashville where she was in the hospital. And then at the end of the day, I would come home and trade with Joel and he would go for several hours at the end of the day. So there was no time. And so consciously, we decided to put that on hold for several months and then got back to it, you know, later on. 
but I, but that was appropriate for that season. And so during that season, my morning ritual looked like uh, a five minute devotional, which this is what it looked like for quite some time, a five minute devotional. And then once I was back from uh, parental leave, I would do my, you know, uh, big three for the day, my full focus plan, or just quickly, you know, create a plan for the day. But the whole thing was like 10 to 15 minutes long. Cause that's all the time I had before it was time to feed her again. Mm. Well, I remember back when I was, when I started blogging in 2004, you know, I kind of did it hit or miss for a while, you know, usually about uh, three times a week. But I remember uh, about two years into it, so this would have been about 2005, I said, I'm going to pick up the habit of writing every day. Mm. And my goal was 500 words a day. Wow. Post something online. Now, also, I was the CEO of Thomas Nelson Publishers at that time. So mm -hmm. I had a very big job. I had a very busy family. But now I want to take on this writing habit. This is kind of weird, but the, kind of counterintuitive. But it was actually the busyness of my life that enabled me to focus. Mm-hmm. So I knew I had to get that knocked out and I, I timed it. On average, it would take me 70 minutes sometime in the day to write a blog post huh. and post it. In fact, I even wrote a blog post about that methodology of writing a blog post in 70 minutes. And I got very proficient at it. And the more I did it, the better I got at it. But I really feel like as a writer, it helped me find my voice. But then when I started Michael Hyde and Company, um, there were a lot of other things that, that demanded my attention. And I decided that I was going to give that up. And, and it I've was probably far less structured too, right? So you went from having nonstop meetings all day and a super structured schedule to having a lot less, you know, kind of hard edges on your day, I would yeah, assume. Yeah. And, and it kind of worked against me. Yeah. Because I kept thinking, well, I can get to that writing later because I've got nothing on my calendar. I don't have the demands. And I just fought, fell out of the habit. And so at various times, I've, I've kind of taken it back on. And, and I love that when I do it. But it's not always appropriate. Like right now, I spend so much time on the front stage delivering content mm -hmm. that, and I've got a, you know, a team of writers uh, that work with me and I'm still involved in the process, but not the way I was in the past because yep. this is a different season of life. Mm -hmm. I think that's so important and such a helpful example. Um, I want to know how your habits and rituals have changed over time, especially around like your morning rituals, kind of the habits that are always, or, or at least a collection of habits that always occupy some block of time for you. You know, what did that look like, for example, when we were all young, like when you were in your thirties? Well, kind of like you, you know, it was sort of the minimum, minimal effective dose. Mm -hmm. So it, I wouldn't say it was five minutes but literally, I would try to read something from the Bible for about seven minutes. Mm -hmm. And then I would spend maybe, you know, a few minutes in prayer. And then I was off to my day. So literally, my goal was to get it in, in 15 minutes. Yeah. Okay. And that was, you know, what I could do. Now, here's the, here's the trap that a lot of people fall into. They think, oh, well, today I can go for an hour. Right. So I'm going to make this a goal when the situation is ideal, right. the circumstances are perfect. Yep. I'm experiencing, you know, I've had a full night's sleep. I've got nothing really early on the agenda. No, that's not how you need to set a habit like this. No. You need to say, what is a sustainable amount of time that I can spend when I don't have optimal circumstances? Exactly. So when people ask me this question, you know, during a Q&A or something that we're doing in the live event, I always say, set the bar so low that you can get over it even when the baby was up all night, even when, uh, you know, the, the babysitter can't show up, even when the project is due that morning for work, even when you've got a trip, 
You know, like really ask yourself the question, what can I reasonably do almost every day, no matter what? And then start there. You can always like, you know, kind of like dial it up if you have found that you set the bar too low. But if you set it too high, then you get discouraged and you throw in the towel. And so I'd rather you set it, you know, for five minutes or 10 minutes, whatever is the most essential part for you of your morning ritual, those habits that, you know, you just really don't want to live without. And then always, you know, tweak it up and add add things on top of that. But don't set yourself up to fail by assuming the stars are just going to align and that'll be amazing and it'll happen over and over again because it won't. I totally agree with that. When I'm talking to my coaching clients and, you know, they're all high achievers, you know, nine times out of, of 10, I've got to get them to back down from the goal that they've set, the habit goal they've set. Yeah. Because it's too ambitious. Yep. And what they've forgotten and what I sometimes forget is sort of the the metaphor of compound interest. You know, like the way to save a ton of money for retirement is to do a little bit every month and to start early. Uh-huh. And the same thing is true when it comes to any habit that'll change your life. If it's exercise, you know, it's not getting all excited and going to the gym and having a two-hour workout session for five days and then not doing it again for, you know, 90 days. No, it's get the, get there for 30 minutes a day. If you do that every day or even five days a week or even three days a week and you're consistent, that's enough to preserve your fitness and, and get you in shape. No, you're not going to get a six pack, but <laughs> leave, leave that to the people that professionally get paid to be on magazines and right. have, you know, airbrushing. But for the rest of us, you know, just sort of that minimal effective dose is what we need to be be working toward because there's real power in incremental change over time. Okay, so some people may be wondering how what I just said fits in with my whole philosophy that your goals, using the smarter framework, need to be risky. Do you have an opinion on that, Megan? I do have an opinion. My opinion is this. If your life is very busy, like most of ours are, then habits, period, are kind of risky. I mean, putting a habit into your life and committing to it on a daily or, you know, frequent basis, whatever your intervals are, is inherently risky. It's inherently out of your comfort zone. Otherwise, you'd already be doing it. So so adding habits is necessarily going to kind of check the box of you're not in your comfort zone. And I think what that means is you don't really need to worry about pushing yourself hard here, particularly at the beginning. Now, if you're like, I got it, I got kind of all the basic habits and I'm wondering how I could dial it up and maybe get an even higher level of performance for myself. Maybe I'm going to hire a trainer. I'm going to train for some kind of serious athletic event as a part of my exercise. Great. Go do it. You know, that's that's one way that you could dial up in your day-to-day habits uh, the risk if you want to. But for a lot of us, just installing habits, period, puts us outside our comfort zone. And my daughter is screaming. <laughs> she is outside of her comfort zone. <laughs> I think we should include that in the podcast. Don't, don't edit that out. That's awesome. That's my life. Yeah. Here we are in 2020. And you know, my- <laughs> the reality show of your life. That's right. It isn't. Well, right. I have an 18 month old in the kitchen right now who's probably about to go down for a nap and is not happy leading up to that. <laughs> okay. So I have a different answer to that same question. Okay. Okay. Great. So your answer was awesome, but I have a different answer. And that is, That a habit is usually a means to an end, and the end is often where the risk is. Mm, So let me give you an example. So uh, if you've never written a book 
and you decide that one of your goals for 2021 or some subsequent year, if you're listening to this later, is going to be to write a book, that's a risky goal. You might not complete it. Or even if you do complete it, you might not get it published. So there's a lot of different things that, that create risk. But here's the thing. You could use a habit goal as the major way that you get to that achievement goal. But while the, the, the achievement part of it needs to be in the discomfort zone and needs to include risk, each step should be inside your comfort zone. Let me give you another example. So if I decide I want to run a half marathon, that's very risky. First time I ever did it, I'd never run that far. I'd never even run a 10K. I thought, holy smoke, that's a long way. I at least had the good sense to not take on a full marathon initially, but I took on a half marathon. But... I found this site, I can't remember what it was called, but it was basically uh, called From Couch to 5K or something like that. And so it was like, okay, the first day, I'm just gonna, you know, walk a quarter of a mile. And the next day, I'm gonna in increase that by, you know, some small distance. That was super easy. In fact, I was tempted to bypass that and say it was too easy, but I stuck to the plan and it was never a big deal all the way up to running that first half marathon, which I successfully completed. Didn't kill me, didn't think about dying, did think about quitting, but I didn't, I, I didn't think I was gonna die, and I made it. Because each step along the way in my preparation to achieve that very risky goal was manageable. And that's how you need to think of your habits. Again, the power of compound interest. You know, I don't know what the figures are, but you know, if you, if you are in your 20s and you start saving you know, $100 or $200 a month, I mean, by the time you get to retirement age, that's a pot load of money. And that you thought I was going to say something else. That's a technical term. Yes, I did. I was like, okay, where are we going? Okay, I totally agree with that. I think your answer was actually even better than mine. I love thinking about it that way because I think that frees a lot of us up. You know, it just takes the pressure off. And I feel like if we have one message of this episode that we want you to take away, it's like, take the pressure off. You can do this. Habits are for everybody. And you can make it realistic. You can make it something that um, fits into your day-to-day -day life and really improves your life without having to be in a different season. Amen. Okay. So dad, um, one other question I have for you is how often should you reevaluate your habits? Well, in the Full Focus Planner, and this, I'm not intending this for me to a plug for the planner, although obviously I really believe in the product, but we've built in a couple of times when you could revisit this. Okay, so first of all, when you're setting your quarterly goals, well, first of all, when you're setting your annual goals, you can decide out of the 10 to 12 goals that you're going to set for this upcoming year, maybe some of those are going to be habit goals as opposed to achievement goals. And you can look at my book, Your Best Year Ever, for the distinction between those two. I've got a whole chapter on that. But you can do it then. You can do it every quarter when you do your quarterly preview and you say, okay, I'm going to revisit my annual goals. I'm going to decide which goals I'm going to pursue in this quarter. I might even revise some of what I thought at the beginning of the year, and maybe I'm going to pursue some habit goals. You also have the opportunity to do it when you're revisiting your daily rituals. Because like you said before, Megan, our daily rituals, and we recommend four rituals, morning ritual, workday startup ritual, workday shutdown ritual, and an evening ritual, those are basically bundles of habits. And by the way, be very careful about adding too many components in those rituals. Because if, if you're taking on a bunch of new habits that you've never done before, this is a recipe for failure. You know, add them 
one at a time. Again, you could completely change your morning ritual over the course of 12 to 24 months by just adding a new habit every quarter. And you don't have to do that, but I'm saying it doesn't have to happen all at once. I think the other time is if all of a sudden you realize that your habits are not working. Mm -hmm. If instead of like, you know, 80% or 90% of the time you're consistent, if all of a sudden you notice like, woo, I'm at 50% and that wasn't just a week, that was four weeks in a row or I'm at 20% or I just totally fell off the wagon completely, that's a an indication that you need to reevaluate your habits because it's possible that what happened is that you had some kind of uh, a life season change and you just didn't like take the time to connect the dots between that and your habits, you know? So you got a new job, you had a baby that was born, you had, you know, new responsibilities in another area of your life. You're caretaking for an elderly parent all of a sudden who has a significant illness, whatever. Those kinds of situations need to be factored in. And if all of a sudden you notice that you're dramatically less consistent than you have been, take a second and just ask yourself, hey, wait a second, what's changed? Okay, do I need to make some adjustments? What might those adjustments be? And when in doubt, Remember the low bar. If, if you're struggling to be consistent, lower the bar and then gradually raise it as you're successful with that. That's good. Yeah, and don't don't be afraid to quit on a habit that's no longer serving you. Okay, you gotta say more about that because I don't know that people feel like they can quit, especially if they're like oriented toward performance and productivity and all that. They, it's like, we're never gonna quit anything. Yeah, so like, let me give you an example. So for more than a decade, well more than a decade, probably 15 years, I was running. I considered myself a runner. I ran numerous half marathons and that was part of my identity. But then I injured myself. I injured my foot and I couldn't run. So then I took up walking. And initially I thought it was a temporary thing, but then I started reading the research that basically said, you know, a vigorous rock, a vigorous walk can be just as advantageous as a run. And some people listening to this will dispute that. But but I was convinced that it was actually better for me to do the walk and it was less strenuous. And I found myself actually looking forward to it more than run. And, and particularly, you know, as I get older, I thought that was a much more sustainable thing. So I just quit running. Now, can I tell you, and I'd love to your input. This is like in real time, I'm working this out. <laughs> okay. So, um, Gail and I have considered giving up our habit of date night. What? That sounds scandalous. I know. That sounds like sacrilegious. Or right. Because I've been like a huge advocate of date nights. But here's the thing. We're empty nesters. We eat almost every meal together already. Right. And we eat out a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, and so maybe I just need to be a little bit more creative in, in the date night. But we got to the place last night, we actually went on date night, and we said to each other, this feels kind of artificial. It feels like we're having to work too hard to make this into something when we just like really enjoy each other's presence. Mm-hmm. You know, we went for a long walk yesterday that wasn't part of our date night and, you know, enjoyed the heck out of that. But so we're, we're considering like giving that up as a thing. Interesting. Well, you know what I like about that? First of all, I, I hope it says to y'all listening There's nothing sacred, right? Like in your habits, there's nothing sacred. All of our habits are just a means to an end. I mean, the reason that I have date night is not because there's anything special about Thursday night. It's because I want to make my marriage a priority. I want to continually be growing closer to Joel. I want to 
um, make sure I carve out time in our busy life to make him the focus of my attention and vice versa. And that we're having new fun experiences together because I think that's part of what helps marriages to be good over time. So it's a means to an end. Like the date night is one way, maybe one of the best ways to do that, particularly if most of your time is spent with other people like children, <laughs> Yeah, you know, but maybe in your season of life, maybe it's like you guys do want to plan special stuff to do with each other, but the weekly date night rhythm doesn't make any sense. Maybe it's more traveling when that becomes possible again, or more outings Ooh. like going to concerts or other experiences. Maybe that's really what you want is you want kind of non-mundane experiences to keep having together over time. Again, like COVID makes all that, you know, weird and challenging. But if we can fast forward someday to when all those things are back available to us again, Maybe that's a, a different way to think about it. Maybe you would plan to go like your habit would be once a month to go to some special event or once a quarter to go on a trip together. That's good. I mean, this this sounds really, you know, even more radical, but maybe what we need, we spend so much time together, like literally every night, that maybe what we need is space night. Yeah. Where we're not together intentionally right. on one night. Like where you know, I go do something I enjoy. She goes, does something she enjoys. Right. And then we get back together and compare notes. Or maybe you, you do something with friends you know, that you want to prioritize that. Cause like marriage is good. Yeah. That feels like you're really taking care of that. And you know, you want to have time with your friends or what, anyway, I think that the point is this is all really flexible and it can change with your season of life. You don't just because something was the right solution in one decade or many decades or, you know, whatever, doesn't mean that it has to continue forever. Yeah. To misquote the Bible habits are made for man, not man. For the habits. <laughs> So funny that you said that because I was thinking that exact thing. Well, that's not the first time that I happened. I know. The one brain is real. It's real. All right. Well, we better wrap it up. And I think, you know, just in summary, the thing we most want to do is give you guys permission to choose habits in the season of life that you're in right now that best serve you. And, and ultimately, you have to be the judge of that. You can't judge your habits by my habits or by anybody else who's in a different season of life. Their circumstances are unique to them. And, and you want to feel joy in these habits. And I, you know, I get that they're work, but you want to have joy. And, and once they get into automatic pilot and you no longer really have to think about them, they're part of your muscle memory, they really are a joy. And that's the kind of habits that you want. Well, awesome. If you're listening to this episode and you're thinking, I need more input like this as I th I'm thinking about my habits, how can I optimize them? How can I uh, maybe become more consistent with habits that I've wanted to install for a long time? Listen, we have a new resource for you called No Fail Habits from the Michael Hyde and Company team. This is our best thinking on habits. So much practical advice, so many tips, tricks, pro tips, all the things that you guys love from us on this topic. Um, it's going to come out here in the next few weeks. We don't want you to miss that. So the best way to find out about it when it comes out is to join our countdown for 2021. And the theme for that this month is habits. The theme for next month is goal setting. It's all about setting you up for an amazing 2021, regardless of how hard and how crazy 2020 has been. We want you to have the community that you need. We want you to have uh, kind of our best thinking on those topics. And so that's why we want you to join this countdown to 2021. It's totally free. All you have to do is go to michaelhyatt.com slash countdown. And when you join the countdown, you'll also be notified when No Fail Habits is released so you can get your physical or digital copy. Megan, excellent, 
Thanks for joining me today for this conversation. I've really enjoyed it. Hope you guys have enjoyed it. We'll see you next week here on Lead to Win. This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by Michael Hyatt and Company's newest book, No Fail Habits. Discover how to master automation to design productive days. Learn more at nofailhabits.com.